Okay, good evening, everyone. I'm afraid of Hanukkah. Sorry? Shachas tomorrow, it will be lit. Okay. Um, so we're in Parshas Miketz, this week's Parshas, Parshas Miketz. And um, in the fourth aliyah of this week's Parsha, we have the one of the critical moments when the brothers of Yosef come down to Mitzrayim, the beginning of the fulfillment of the dreams of Yosef HaTzadik in action, in terms of, since the dreams spoke specifically of the relationship of Yosef to his brothers, of the brothers bowing down to him. And this is what starts to be fulfilled here at this point as the brothers come down to Mitzrayim. And there's something that is very significant that comes across in the entire circumstance of this Yerida, this coming down to Mitzrayim. I read to you the, the, the Pasuk. All the land came down to Mitzrayim to buy provisions from Yosef. Because the famine had intensified throughout the land. Yaakov saw that there were provisions in Mitzrayim. And Yaakov said to his sons, Why should you be visible? Why should you be obvious? What does that uh, what does that mean, Lomatisro? So there are many interpretations in the in the Rishonim, uh, many of which, not all, but many of which, including Rashi, Rashi's first pshat, is that really the brothers weren't so needy at this point in time. They had doesn't say that they didn't have bread later it would say that they would run out of food and they would go down. But at this point, it doesn't say Loma Tisro. It doesn't say that they didn't have food. It says everybody was hungry. And Yaakov said to sons, Loma Tisro, says Rashi, Altaru atzmechem bifnei b'nei yishmo v'nei esav kilu atem seveim. Don't show yourselves before the children of Yishmo and Esav as if you are satisfied. Ba'isav sh'adayin ha'isal hem tuah. At that time, they still had produce. But you don't want to appear like you have when nobody else does, when the people around you don't have. Rashi, for reasons beyond the scope of our discussion right now, chooses in the presence of the children of Yishmuel and the children of Esav, the, the closest of the nations to the Jewish people. But don't, uh, don't, uh, don't show yourself in that way as if you have when everybody else doesn't. Yaakov was self-conscious about the appearance, and it is a, on account of that, the Jewish people said, okay, so we're going to look like everybody else, and we'll also go down to Mitzrayim. And then what the Pasuk says, so he says, go down, let's go down there and buy for us from there, and we will live and we will not die. So the Pasuk says that the brothers of Yosef went down to buy grain from Mitzrayim, and Binyamin, the brother of Yosef, he didn't send. 
and the Bnei Yisrael came to get provisions in the midst of all those who came. Says Rashi, again, They hid themselves amongst all those who were coming to Mitzrayim so that they wouldn't be recognized. Because their father instructed them, they shouldn't all appear in one doorway. They shouldn't all come together. The, these ten brothers of Yosef, ten people coming in, shouldn't come in. Let anyone enter, everyone enter in their own separate doorway. So that the ayin hara, so that the evil eye should not have any sway over them. Shekulam noim v'kulam gibayrim, because they were all beautiful looking, they were all strong, and therefore there was a concern. The concern was that you have this, you know, this football team lahavdil, you know, walks through the the, the 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 doors of the of the city all at once, they would attract the the looks of others, and. They didn't, he didn't want them to do that. He wanted them to come low profile, which was, of course, also something which gave the pretense for Yosef HaTzadik to accuse them. As, the, as it goes on and he, he accuses them of being miraglim, of being spies, Rashi follows through. And he says that you know, this was, the, uh, this was the, the, the issue, that they came... In Hari Nichnastem Basora Shari Hu Lovalay Nichnastem Bashar Echad. Right when he said you've come to check out the land and see its vulnerabilities, he pointed to the fact that they had all come through ten separate entrances. Why didn't you come together? You were fanning out, you know, throughout the area in order to be able to discover. So the brothers went to Mitzrayim because they didn't want to be visible and obvious to the locals as the only people who were cool, calm, and collected, and okay at the time when everybody else was distressed. When they came to Mitzrayim, they came to Mitzrayim in a way that was specifically meant to be under the radar. They didn't want to be obvious. They didn't want to attract attention. That's, the, that's what we read here in the Pasuk, the circumstances of the Jewish people coming. Now, this was not the case with the Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef HaTzadik himself put himself in a position of being extremely visible, so much so that we even wonder about how this possibly could have worked. every everyone came to buy from Yosef HaTzadik. Everybody lined up, you know. Before Shem say, Yosef wanted to make sure that he didn't miss his brothers when they came, so therefore he sat himself to wait on everybody still like it's, it's a, something which is a, hard to understand, you know, the practicalities of this phenomenon that Yosef did it for everybody. But Yosef was clearly not in hiding. The Jewish people, his brothers, didn't know who he was, but Yosef in front of the world of Mitzrayim, Yosef was very sharply visible. And we all know that Chazal tell us that this was not uh, a, an incidental thing that this is an essential characteristic of Yosef HaTzadik. When Yaakov Avinu benches Yosef HaTzadik, so it's, he says, his first words are, Ben Poras Yosef. Yosef, you are the fruitful son, the growing son. Ben Poras, Ale Oyin. 
you are the Ben Pyrus again, the fruitful um, uh, uh, son, Ale Oyin. What does it mean, Ale Oyin? So Rashi says, Le'inyan shaloy tishloit bezarei ayin ra. Right? The idea was, that this is a reference to the fact that Yosef was not subject, and Yosef's children would not be subject to the ayin ra, to people seeing them. Ali ayin, you rise over the negative eye. Even when he gave a bracha to the two sons of Yosef, to Menashe and Ephraim, what did he say? He said, They should grow in numbers, so many. And the term was, like the dogim, like the fish. And fish are not subject to ayin ro. Why? Because fish swim beneath the surface. They're covered from the eyes of people. This is a famous thing that Chazal say. We'll take a look in the Gemara in Meseches Brachas, where the Gemara expresses this idea. And the Gemara says that uh, Rav Yechanan used to, who was himself a very, very impressive-looking person. So the Gemara says that um, that uh, he 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 nevertheless put himself in a place where people would look at him and admire him for, for whatever reason the Gemara is describing. But the Gemara says, why wasn't he afraid? Why wasn't he afraid? Like a mistafi marmeina bisha. You're not afraid of ayin hara. People will be looking at you. It'll be too obvious. Amar he said, Anami zara de Yosef kuasina dele shalta bisha. I am from the descendants of Yosef HaTzadik, and I'm not subject to ayin hara. That's the way it is with us. As it says, Ben Peres Yosef, Ben Peres Ali Oyen, Tikri Ali Oyen, Ela Oile Oyen. And then Rabbi Yesi Rabbi Hanina brings the second Pasuk, which Rashi brought, which was the Pasuk of a Yidgulare Vikar of Oretz, which it says that the Zareshal Yosef, Menashe and Ephraim, the Ayin Hara will have no, no effect on them. So Yosef HaTzadik does not worry about Ayin Hara. Yaakov Avinu instructs his sons who are coming down to Mitzrayim that they must worry about Ayin Hara. Yaakov doesn't want to be obvious in front of anybody. Yosef has no problem with that. Even Pshutai Shalmikra, Ayin Hara, you know, sometimes sounds to us like a hocus-pocus idea, right? Or what is it, some kind of a mystical thing? People will look at you, be careful, superstitious. Rashi notes earlier in Ben Paras, Yosef Ben Paras Ali Ayin, that in Yosef, in a practical sense, he was very visible. It wasn't just giving him a bracha that he wouldn't be subject to Ainara. In a practical sense, Yosef's persona was one which was very public. It describes how the daughters walked, stepped up onto the walls of Mitzrayim when Yosef's, you know, his, his, uh, his. Uh, what do they call it? His chariot, but really it was his whole caravan, or what do they call it? The, the, when the when, entourage, the cavalcade, or something. I don't remember what they call it. You know, the whole, the whole, uh, um, the whole entourage of of Yosef. When 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 they went by, they they looked at him, and Rashi even points out, he brings that Yosef Hatzadik did this. Basically, the first thing we ever know Yosef HaTzadik to have done was to do this. 
Because what happened was, if you remember back in Parshas Vahishlach, when Yaakov and his wives and sons came to meet Esav, so what happens? This one went, the mother and her children went and bowed, this one went, the mother and the children, and then it says, Va'achar nigash Yosef v'Rochel v'Yishtachavu. And then afterwards, Yosef and Rachel went forth and bowed. And what's different about that than all the others was by the other ones, it says the mothers before the children. And here it says the child before the mother. And the idea was that Yosef HaTzadik didn't want Esav to lay eyes on his mother, Rachel. He was worried that maybe he would want to take her for himself. So Yosef went in front of Rachel. And he said, he'll see me, he won't see her. And this was also part of this idea that Yosef was not trying to hide. If anything, he said, I'll absorb it and let others be hidden. So what do we see here? We see here a piece of the study of contrasts that's there between Yosef and his brothers. This Parsha, like last week's Parsha, and like next week's Parsha, is the parsh- these are the Parshias of the drama of Yosef and his brothers. And there's a, uh, a, uh, an aspect that is brought out, there are many things which we can look at in the contrast between Yosef and his brothers, but there's one aspect which is brought out here, and it's not just a, con- a contrast between Yosef and his brothers, it seems to be even a contrast between Yosef and Yaakov, if we note that these were instructions that Yaakov Avinu gave to his children. Maybe it's the difference between Yosef and Yaakov, or maybe Yaakov who understands this difference with his children, is that he is very focused on not being visible to the eyes of others and worried about the critical eye, the visible eye, the, gener- the, 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 the looking eye, the, the jealous eye of others, whereas Yosef utterly disregards that concern. Ali Oyen, he's above it. He doesn't need to worry about it at all. It is not relevant for him. It is not going to be impactful upon him. And we have to understand, be a sowed at the, at the foundation of it, what the difference is. I would point out as well that part of this can be even in the original beginnings of the story of Yosef and his brothers, which is where Yosef HaTzadik has these dreams. And Yosef shares the dreams. And the dreams invite from others jealousy, exactly ayin hara, the negative eye. What's, what's the negative eye? What, what does that mean, ayin hara? The simple meaning of ayin hara, it's not some, some, some just mystical thing that, you know, you wear a right bendala and it's finished. The idea of ayin hara is that one doesn't want to call attention to oneself. One doesn't want to call attention to one's success or prominence or their blessings lest it engender the resentment of others. And people will say, why does that person have that? Why does that person have that? That's, uh, that's the simple ayin hara. And one doesn't want people turning to the Rabbi Nisham and saying, why does that person have that about oneself? The low profile is a, is a good thing. It's a good thing. Ein l'cha yafem right? Chazal said in a very different context. It's good, right? Modest, hidden things, they're good things. So Yosef HaTzadik, however, he has these dreams about his eventual rise to prominence, and he shares them. And he's utterly unselfconscious about sharing them. 
to the point where his father says, why are you saying this? What is this dream? And his father, it's not that his father didn't believe the dream, as we know, the, the Pasuk said in the beginning of Parshas Vayeshev, the Aviv Shamar Esadover, his father was guarding the thing, his father was aware of it, he took it seriously. It was not a small matter, or a matter to be dismissed in Yaakov's eyes, but it wasn't a matter to highlight. It wasn't a matter to bring out. It may be true that all of this is going to happen, but don't talk about it. Keep it hidden. It's your private dream. It's a dream which HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed you. Keep that dream to yourself. That's Yaakov versus Yosef. That's the same Yaakov versus Yosef that we have over here, where Yaakov Avinu, versus I mean in contrast to, where Yaakov Avinu tells his sons, it shouldn't be obvious that you're prosperous. Go down to Mitzrayim with everybody else who's not. When you come down to Mitzrayim, don't appear, don't show yourself as who you are. Try to melt in to your surroundings. Don't stick out. Don't be obvious. That's the story of Yaakov Avinu. That's the attitude of Yaakov Avinu. Whereas Yosef HaTzadik spends, you know, in all of these things, Yosef HaTzadik is out there. In front of the brothers, he tells the dreams. He doesn't hide it. He's not afraid of saying it in front of others. He comes out in front of the land of Mitzrayim, in front of everybody. He had come out as a youth in front of Esav HaRasha, not worried about himself, ready to go out there, ready to, to overcome it. And we have this thing forever, that Ben Peras Yosef, Ben Peras Ale Oyen. Yosef will overcome the eyes of, of, uh, of others. What is it? What's, the, what's, what's this idea? What's the, what's the difference? Now, I, I, I want to say, for starters, quickly, part of this, which I think is a very, very big and important understanding of the difference, but... It's an aspect, a significant aspect, but I'd like to then try to focus on another. The aspect that I would like to just say quickly is that the whole notion of being afraid of others, of being afraid of the resentments of others, being afraid to be affected by others, is something which a person of faith has to wonder about. Because after all, we would believe that we're in the hands of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Nobody can affect us. Nobody can affect anybody else. We're in the hands of God. We shouldn't have to worry about others seeing us and that in, in any way having some kind of a negative, harmful effect. And we know that Yosef HaTzadik, his words, his attitude that he would share with his brothers when he met up with them eventually in Mitzrayim was... You didn't do anything to affect me negatively. I don't see you as having had any effect. HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent me here, not you. Which means that Yosef isn't subject to Ayin Hora because he's not even subject to a sledgehammer Hora. He's not subject to you know the, the, the brothers grabbing him and throwing him into a pit. You didn't do anything to me. You can do anything you want. Your eyes won't affect me. Nothing about you will affect me. I'm in the hands of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That was Yosef HaTzadik's attitude. And so to a certain degree, he doesn't view himself as really being able to be affected by any person. And that's a very, very fundamental thing, a very, very fundamental distinction. And perhaps the idea 
that uh, we find the contrast is that you know Yaakov Vinu says he turns to his sons right? he says in this week's parsha why did you cause harm to me by telling him you had a brother and then he make made up this story right? Yaakov Vinu is saying to his sons you caused me harm that's Chazal uh, take him to task for it you know that's a very different attitude the brothers have enormous guilt they don't even believe Yosef Hatzadik when he says he has no resentment to them Right? At the end of Yaakovinu's life, they come apologizing again to Yosef HaTzadik, and he has to tell them yet again, I don't think you did anything to me. You didn't affect me. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted this to happen. So the brothers, seemingly, maybe Yaakov Avinu, were living with a different perspective, that people could affect people. And therefore, they wanted to be careful. They didn't want to be there in the eyes of others. But Yosef HaTzadik, was apparently impervious to this. He would not at all, he would not at all be, be, be uh, feeling that he could be affected in any which way, in any which way by that which happened to the brothers. That's one, that's one idea, that's one, uh, you know, that's one piece, that's one, one possibility. But I want to share another, and, you know, perhaps, perhaps, uh, we can even, as we're here in front of the Menaira Lukavet Hanukkah, even though it's not lit at this moment, but as we're here in front of the Menaira Lukavet Hanukkah, I think it's worth noting that um, we uh, we have this significantly as a chilek, as an important part of the halach of Hanukkah. Halach of Hanukkah is to be obvious. Pirsume Nisa, to publicize the miracle, to publicize the miracles which happened for Klal Yisrael, for the Jewish people, with the, with the Neres Chanukah. The Neres Chanukah are supposed to be lit by the entrance to the house on the outside, in the Rishos Harabim, so that people in the public domain will see it. The Gemara says, famously in Masecha Shabbos, Ner Chanukah that you place higher than twenty amos, higher than twenty cubits off the ground is possible, like a sukkah. The schach isn't supposed to be more than twenty amos tall. A mavui, the 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 lintel at the entrance to an alleyway, which is supposed to remind us you're crossing over an important dividing line, shouldn't be more than twenty amos tall. Why? Listen to the words of Rashi, shalta because the eye has no domain, no control over it. More than 20 amas. You're not publicizing the miracle. You may notice just the commonality of the phrase. Rav Yochanan, when he wasn't worried about people looking at him, he says, I'm from the children of Yosef. That the negative eye has no control over me. Right? right? The, the eye that's bad has no control over it. Here we're not talking about the eye which is bad. The eye doesn't have any control over it. The eye doesn't see it when it's more than 20 amos tall. That's the, the, the description of the of the need 
the menorah has to be visible. The eye has to see it. It has to be in front of people. We're out there publicizing the miracle that happened to the, to, to, to the Jewish people. You can't light menorah during the daytime. Why? Because shraga betira, mayahani, right? A, a candle at night doesn't help. Now, it's not that you don't need the candle at night, in the daytime, excuse me, doesn't help. It's not, not, not that you don't need the candle during the daytime. You don't need the candle at night either. Remember, you're not allowed to look at things by the light of the Hanukkah Menairah. But what's the Hanukkah Menairah? It's not to see, but it's to be seen. Okay? Sorry, I know it sounds like a cocktail party. Right? But it's not to see, but it's to, it's to, it's, it's to be seen. We want it to be visible. And uh, a candle, betiara, in the daytime, it won't be seen. It won't be visible. And therefore, it's not meaningful. It's not meaningful. Everything about Ner Hanukkah, the Pirsume Nisa, is that it should be visible. And it's different than other Pirsume Nisa. It's different than other publications of miracles. We publicize the miracle of Pesach. We publicize the miracle of Purim. And in all three, Purim, Pesach, Hanukkah, we have this concept of Pirsume Nisa, publicizing a miracle, but Pesach, okay, it's true. You know, we have something visible in front of us and we say, Matzah zu, Shano Eichlin, this is why we're eating this matzah. It's very private, it's in your house. You're not, not supposed to leave your house, you know, you know by, the, by, the, by the Seder. You're supposed to stay inside. Purim, it's, it's invisible. It's audible. Right? But it's invisible. Esther, you know, you know, the face is hidden. The story of Yosef HaTzadik is a story of not being afraid to hide anything. And the, the, the Pirsume Nisa of Hanukkah is similarly this idea. Now, there's a great irony in this. And that is that the Gemara already speaks about Shas HaSakana, time of danger. There were times when we weren't able to light candles because there was a danger. There was a <laughs> there was an Uma, there was a nation that decreed that you know, during a certain time of year, might sound kind of kind of you know familiar sounding, that there should be no lights that anybody lights unless they are festival lights and not our festival lights, but their festival lights. And so at such a time, the Jew, you have to light it inside. Make sure nobody sees outside. Just light it inside, which is you know, an irony in light of this. There, in fact, we are acting afraid. So the, the idea of publicizing, of bringing it out, of not being afraid, of allowing it you know, to, be, you know, to be seen... This is an idea which we seem to find in some corners of Jewish life. And specifically here we see it as a contrast between the approach, the way of Yosef HaTzadik, and the approach, the way of Yaakov Avinu, which is to hide the successes, to hide the prosperity, to avoid it being visible to avoid it being visible to, uh, to you no, know, to anybody, to anybody else, you know, Talmud. It's something that we 
that we that we need to understand. Something that we need to understand. If we can take another moment to talk about this idea as it expresses itself in the Menorah and in Hanukkah. The Torah says, when it speaks about the mitzvah of lighting the Menorah within the Beis Hamikdash, lighting the candles within the Beis Hamikdash, it says that they're supposed to be lit michutz leparechas ha'edus, outside of the parechas of the edus of the testimony. Right, it's supposed to be done outside, excuse me, it's supposed to be done outside of the Pareches HaEidus, and um, right? in, in, in Parshas Amar, the Pasuk says, it's in front of the Pareches HaEidus, for Rabbi Seinu Dorshu al Ravi, are they say our, 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 our rabbis taught that this refers to the westernmost light of the Menorah. It testifies to the world that the Shechina is Shaira be Israel, that the Shechina rests amongst the Jewish people. Why? Because the same amount of oil was put in all of the candles of the Menorah. It started with it, he ended with it. The Nermaravi was basically a constant. Hanukkah miracle, a constant Hanukkah miracle that was always, always remained lit. It didn't go out, even though it had not any more oil, but the oil kept going, kept going, you know, for, 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 the, for all of the time. And that was the edus, that was the testimony to the world. Edus l'chol boy oilam, to all those who come to the world that the Shechina rests amongst the Jewish people. Now, you can ask about the technicality of that. What do you mean it was testifying to all those who came to the world? How many people who came to the world saw the Menorah? And one could see the Menorah, the entrance to the Miglash could be opened. The Gemara speaks about times when that was done. <clears throat> but the, 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 the idea, on a simple level, is again, it's a Menorah, it's light, it's lit, it's illuminated, it's something that can be seen. And it was outside of the Parecha Soedus. Whereas the usual notion of Shechina Shorabi Yisrael was seen in the Holy of Holies, but the Holy of Holies was the most hidden of places. It was, it was, uh, was, um, was beyond the Parechas, you know, beyond the, the special curtain. It was the, the most private of places. On the other hand, the Menorah was already in a more of an outer chamber. And it was to be visible. And it was an edus. It was there to testify, to show, to show. I, I, I would just, you know, in this context, note a Pusuk, which we say, it's a Pusuk in Tehillim. It's a Pusuk which we say on a, on a regular basis, which in a certain sense brings these concepts together a little bit and is in that way worthy of note in this discussion and that is on the Thursday 
we say Tehillim Pe'alef as the psalm of the day. And what does it say? It's, it's, it says, There was a testimony in Yosef. It says Yosef, it adds a hey for reasons beyond our discussion. When he went out to come out over the land of Mitzrayim. Svasli, Adati, Eshma, whatever it was, however the, 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 the psukim continue. But it describes the Eidus in Yosef when he went out over Eretz Mitzrayim. Eidus. Eidus is to be able to testify loud and clear, to be made is to say, do something which is resounding, to affirm, to assert, to not be afraid, and to stand up and, and say it, right? There's no witness protection program over here, right? This is, you know, they're, 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 they're out there, they're sharing. This is what it is. You know, a Jew is supposed to, on Friday night, supposed to say Vayachulu, right? Stand up and be made. HaKadosh Baruch who created the heavens and the earth, right? Eidos. Eidos b'yaisif samay, but say sayel Eretz Mitzrayim. To some degree, Yosef going out of Eretz, of Eretz Mitzrayim is this edus, this ability to testify, to show. And that's what the Menorah in the Migdash is described as. And that's what the Menorah, which we do, Pirsume Nisa, right, to publicize the miracle, is in significant measure, again, to take on this role of trying to show, to share, not to not to have it as something which is quiet, not to have it as something which is hidden. The the Shairish, perhaps, the root of this difference between Yaakov and Yosef can be taken back to Parshas Toldos. In Parshas Toldos we have not the story of Yosef and his brothers, and not the story of Yosef and Yaakov, but the story of Yaakov and his brother, Yaakov and Esav. And in that story, as we well know, the way that Yaakov Avinu ultimately claims the brachas gets the ability to triumph over Esav was by hiding himself. He didn't do it obviously. He did it in a hidden way. He, he had to pretend to be somebody else. He went in there using the cover of his father's blindness, using the cover of disguising himself, not sharing who he was, literally covering himself with the goat skin Yaakov went hidden. If Yaakov would have said when his father turned to him and he would have said, Ani Yaakov, he wouldn't have gone anywhere. The way he got somewhere was by being hidden, by being completely hidden. And so we could say, hey, okay, here you have the roots of it, that Yaakov Avinu says that in order for him to be able to make it and to succeed in the world, in this world, he has to do it in a hidden way. So that's the roots of it, perhaps, to some degree with Yaakov Avinu. But it goes further. And it goes further because 
as Rashi brought at the beginning of last week's Parsha, Parsha's Vayeshev, and as Rashi also alluded to back in Parsha's Vayetze, Yosef HaTzadik has a special role. And that is that Yosef HaTzadik is Sitnai Shel Esav. He's the one who's able to overcome Esav. Yaakov Avinu himself is not able to do it. Yosef HaTzadik is able to do it. That's the reason, we discussed this a little bit uh, a few weeks ago, that in Parshas Vayetze it says, Ahi kasher yolda Rachel as Yosef, when Rachel gave birth to Yosef, so ya- Yaakov Avinu said to Lavan, let me go back. Mm-hmm. Says Rashi, why when Rachel gave birth to Yosef did he say this? Because he had to go back to Esav, and he was afraid of Esav. And he knew, however, that his solution with Esav was going to be with the Shalheves, with the flame that was Yosef HaTzadik. The house of Yaakov will be the Esh, the fire, the spark, but Yosef will be the flame, and Esav will be the straw. And the, the fire, without the flame, Esh b'loi lahava, eina shailetes lemei it can have no protracted effect. It can have no extended effect when you have just the spark without the flame. And that's what Yaakov was without Yosef. It's a spark that flashes for a second and goes away. It can't do anything. Yosef would allow it and would, would, would engulf the straw of Esav HaTzadik, destroying it. Rashi brought it again in the beginning of Parshas Vayeshev, where after, where he notes that in the end of Parshas Vayishlach, it lists all of the different Alufei Esav, all of the different families of Esav. And then it says, Eile Talos Yaakov, Yosef. In Vayeshev, it says, these are the offspring of Yaakov, Yosef. Says Rashi, you know, you, Yaakov, you know, saw all of those minions of Esav, all of those families, huge families of Esav, and he was all worried. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to him, it doesn't, you don't have to worry about it, you have Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef HaTzadik will be able to overcome Esav. Now, what does that mean? So first of all, again, it's interesting for us because it's a flame, and we've been noting the comparison to the nearest Hanukkah. Okay, that's interesting. Right, a spark that doesn't, doesn't last. Near Hanukkah has to be able to last. But let's put that aside. Yaakov Avinu doesn't stand up to Esav Arasha. If his son Yosef, as we said, even as a little child, says, I'm going to block my daughter, my, my mother Rachel, I will stand up, I will bow down before Esav, but I'm not afraid of him. I'm not af- afraid of him. Yaakov is afraid of Esav. And Yaakov not only hides from his father Yitzchak, that he was taking the brachas from him at the time that he took it from him, but he even hides later from Esav that he had taken them. At the beginning of Parshas Vayishlach, and we've discussed this many times, at the beginning of Parshas Vayishlach, Yaakov Avinu says to Esav, Im lovan garti v'yichar adata v'yilishor v'chamor tzoyin v'evet v'shifcha v'eshlacha l'hagid l'adayin v'lim z'chein v'yinecha. He says to Esav, none of those brachas which you think I stole from you, did I actually get. I have livestock. I don't have agriculture. I was supposed to have two of the heavens fat land. I don't have any of those things. I wasn't a prince. I wasn't a king. 
None of that happened. Right? I was a stranger living as a, as a wanderer in the house of Lavan. I'm bowing down to you. I'm not your master. Yaakov hides the brachas even after he took them, even after they were safely in his hand. He's not able to be upfront with Esav about what he has. And in truth, you know, he has a good point. He doesn't seem to have any of those brachas. Who would have those brachas? So Yaakov Avinu himself says later in Parshas Vayechi, The brachas which I got go to the head of Yosef. They go on Yosef. Yosef HaTzadik had agriculture, not livestock. Yosef HaTzadik did become a king and a prince. He didn't live as a stranger in Mitzrayim, as a wanderer in Mitzrayim. Yosef HaTzadik did have kingdoms bow down to him. He had his brothers bow down to him. And he said to his brothers, you will bow down to me. Yaakov Avinu didn't tell Esau, despite the fact that he had a bracha from Hashem, that you will bow down to me. Yaakov Avinu didn't do that. So the, the, that's the shorish, that's the beginning. That's the beginning of this, of this whole thing, of this contrast between the two of them. And the, it goes to a core question, as we know, the brachas which Yaakov Avinu had were the brachas of this material world. And does Yaakov Avinu succeed himself in being able to be an obvious success in the material world? He doesn't. And in fact, he considers it something to avoid, to avoid projection of being an obvious success within the material world. He avoids projecting that at all. He avoids projecting it to Esav. He avoids his children projecting it. Except Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef HaTzadik is different. Is there a Rabbeinu Shalom? In this world. You see, projecting that success for Yaakov, you know, to be able to say, I'm Yaakov. I'm the virtuous one. I'm the virtuous one of this pair of brothers, Yaakov and Esav. And so I claim all of these things. I claim them as my own. I can't do that. This is not a world in which the good guys win. This is not a world where I can claim the tithe. This is his world. Esav got Olamazeh. Esav got this world. I can't claim it. Anything, any prosperity, any success that the righteous have, he has to somehow hide it, lest it raise the jealousy or the animosity of those who claim this world as their own. It's not just that he believes that nobody else can harm me. But for Yosef HaTzadik, the avoda, the task in this world is that in fact, the good, the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu should be there, should be seen there everywhere. 
when Yosef HaTzadik was an Ishmat Sliach, when he was a successful person, and in every success and in everything which he offered, he had one tactic, one approach, and the approach was to highlight, but not just to highlight himself, to highlight that it was the Rabbeinu Shalom who made this happen. And it is here, perhaps, that the difference lies, and it is here, perhaps, that we have the mitzvah of Pirsume Nisa, the mitzvah of publicizing the miracle, that maybe Yosef is the shorish, is the beginning of the mitzvah of the Pirsume Nisa, meaning as follows. The need to cow, to hide, is because I view this to some degree as their world. I have to be careful. What entitlement do I have to be there? Whether it's Yaakov claiming the prosperity in the world at the time of the brachas, it's Yaakov facing Esav, what right do I have? This is yours. These are yours. These are your brachos. Here we are, we're going to show ourselves, and you know, we noted this at the beginning, and we said we're not going to dwell on it, and we're talking, not going to dwell on it. But in a certain sense, that was Yaakov Avinu saying, don't show yourselves before the children of Yishmoel and the children of Esav. If there's some kind of like a split legacy over here, is that you know, we're taking the spiritual side, but the material... The material isn't there, is theirs. It's their world as far as that goes. Yaakov, you know, hides it. He wants to keep it to himself. But to Yosef HaTzadik, it shouldn't be that way. To Yosef HaTzadik, his ability is the ability to control Esav. Because he says, this world isn't yours. But the way he says, this world isn't yours, is not by saying, this world isn't yours, it's mine. The way he says this world isn't yours is by saying this world isn't yours. It's God's. Yosef HaTzadik's ability to be shaylet over everything is Where's Yosef going to go out over Eretz Mitzrayim? He goes out over Eretz Mitzrayim after he's successful to interpret Paro's dreams, saying that it's from the Rabbana Shalalam, what the Rabbana was doing, says to him, and Paro marvels and he says, Can we find somebody who the spirit of Hashem is in him? And so the honor which they gave to Yosef HaTzadik and the position which they gave to Yosef HaTzadik wasn't to this great, brilliant strategist, it was to the person who God was with. And that's the same thing that it said in Yosef's first success in Mitzrayim, in the house of Potiphar, which was where it says, the Potiphar saw that Hashem was with him, and that everything he did, Hashem made successful. And Rashi brings what the Medrash says, which is that Yosef HaTzadik was always saying, made it work. Shem Shamayim Shogar Befiv, the name of Hashem was just flowing off of his lips. He always publicized that it was the Rabbi Nishlelem who did it. He let it be known where his success was from. And his going out over Eretz Mitzrayim was 
Yosef HaTzadik, the person that the Spirit of God is within him, going out over Eretz Mitzrayim. That would be the way Yosef would be able to be successful. Now, it is true, when Yosef shared the dreams, that we said before, he shared it with an utter lack of self-consciousness. He said it, and Yaakov said, no, 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 hide it, hide it, hide it. Because it wasn't, wasn't relative to Esav, it was relative to his brothers. And Yosef HaTzadik, in those dreams, makes no mention of the Rabbanu Shalom. Zero. He doesn't say, so said Hashem to me, or this came to me from the Rabbanu Shalom. He said, I want to tell you my chaloim. I want to tell you my, my dream. And perhaps, perhaps, perhaps one might say that it is so long as Yosef HaTzadik is just saying it as a dream, that Yaakov Avinu in a certain sense is right. The difference between the original presentation of Yosef HaTzadik to his brothers and the ultimate presentation of Yosef HaTzadik to his brothers is that the first presentation is Yosef said, I had a dream. And this is what the dream says. But subsequently, we're going to find repeatedly that Yosef HaTzadik is attributing everything, attributing everything to the Rabbi Shalala. Pirsume Misa. The only way that a person can be able to stand up in the world with their success, with the whatever gift that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given them, the only way that a person can do it is if they take the tack of Yosef HaTzadik. Not just the magical, I'm a descendant of Yosef HaTzadik. I don't have to worry about it. Being a descendant of Yosef HaTzadik means to be a Talmud of Yosef HaTzadik. And to say that Biladai. <laughs> I'm standing here not as a person who's been who's strong. I'm standing here that it's mitam. It's because of the rabbi Shalom. When you bring the rabbi Shalom out in the world, so then you don't have to worry. Then your position that's out in the world is similarly assured and comfortable. When you bring the Rabban Islam out in the world, that's the that's the that's the kayak, that's the that's the difference. You know, if we think for a moment about the story of Hanukkah the story of Hanukkah is, a, is one which we uh, we have a hard time sometimes knowing exactly the details. We don't have an authoritative story of Hanukkah. We have a Medrashir and a book of Maccabees and a book of this and a book, you know, all these, all these, these uh, Megillois. We don't have a, a real Teresh of Hanukkah, a real clear, uh, I shouldn't say Teresh a real Teresh of a written version, written Teresh of Hanukkah. But I think everyone uh, is familiar to some degree that, and maybe some have even had a chance to see them or see what they believe them to be, but the, the faithful Jews of the time, what did they have to do? 
have to go into caves. Right? It's well known. That's a big part of the story of Hanukkah. It's how they went into caves in order to be able to do what they had to do and to be able to keep mitzvahs. And they got smoked out of the caves. You know, literally, in the story of Hanukkah. To, you know, they, they, you know they, they, they weren't able to, in that sense, continue their observance. It, it went from a great hiddenness of being able to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to the Menaira, which the Menaira is the symbol of Eidus L'chol Boy Eilam, to testify loud and clear to the world that, that the Shekhinah Sherebi Yisrael, that the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there, is there within the world, to show it, to demonstrate it. When we bring out, when we publicize the Rabbanishan of the world, that is when we can be secure to be ourselves within the world and to, and to not, and to not uh, continue to hide. The, the, the difference, the difference, you know, that difference between Yaakov and Yosef, between the brothers and Yosef, when we said the first explanation, we said that to some degree, okay, I'm sorry, you know, sorry this, that, that, that Yosef HaTzadik was not worried about others because he says, I'm in the hands of the Rebbe I don't have to worry about anybody else. Yes, at the core, that's true. At the core, that's, uh, that's a, a, a site. It's a fundamental principle over here. But it's, it's in a certain sense more than that. It's to the extent that the person exposes it as the Rebbe world, that they can rest assured that they don't have to worry about anything, about anything else. It's not anybody else's world. It's just the Rabbi Shlalem's. That's the Kayach. That's the power which we're supposed to exercise. That's the Prisumi Nisa of Hanukkah. Is the, to, to expose, to bring, to bring it to light. Shalta Be'ena. Let HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence in the world be seen. And then the, 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 the person carrying his, carrying his blessing doesn't need to doesn't need to hide, doesn't have to worry about, about anything else. This is perhaps something here to see in this, in this world of, of, of contrast between Yaakov and Yosef. There's, there's much more to add and much more to discuss here, but I'm sorry, the hour, the hour is late. Maybe at another time we'll have a chance to extend it. May we be Hashem, our Chodosh al that there should be a light, Bezos Hashem, a light of the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that shines you know, loud and clear and behind it, with us giving that light, without us testifying to the presence of HaKadosh Baruch and everything that happens in the world, may we be able to Bezus Hashem, stand tall, stand tall in, in this world of